Hey, this is Agent Davis, and we're about to take a deep dive into Squeeze. Stay tuned. Hey, what's up, man? What's up, skeptic Agent Alfonso, sir? Alive and in the flesh with only two-inch fingers or three-inch fingers, not ten. <laughs> not that we're counting. <laughs> no, no, not at all. This isn't a contest. So, hello, everybody. Welcome to the episode Squeeze. What'd you think of this episode right off the bat, Animal? Oh, I'm excited, Alfonso. man. Oh, my God, it was like a mini horror movie in the middle of... Uh... I don't know. It's like kind of like in those like Animorphs books that you read as a kid where you're like focused on the main story, but then you decided to go to like some other different page and go into like something else. <laughs> and then you still coming back. This yeah. was fun. This was really fun. Well, that's good. I'm glad it's uh, the official, the first official uh, Monster of the Week episode. Awesome. And uh, we got some stuff to dig into, man. So are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Let's do this. Okay. Bringing up the notes. I didn't send them to you this week because I didn't want you to know nothing. I, I, you know what, I was gonna ask, but I figured that was your, uh, your, your goal here. Yeah, I took care of this week's notes and next week's notes. That's yes. neither here nor there. I like to stay two weeks ahead. Beautiful. So let's start off. IMDb user score is eight point seven for this one. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's the highest of the three we've done so far. Oh wow! Original air date September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety three. How's that for you? It's crazy. It's just like weird. Like, so obviously I, when I make the title cards, I have to look up the date. That's all I look at. So I'm very tempted. Cause you know, the Wikipedia and everything's right there. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. I won't look at it. But just like to think about like what 1993 was and where we were at in our lives. And just, this was already going on. Like this just makes you respect that show so much more, you know, yeah, it's it really is cool. Point. Like when you like piece it together with your life, like for us, you know, I'm a mid thirties dude. Mm -hmm. You're in the same ballpark. Mm -hmm. And God, it must have been kindergarten, first grade. Yep. Second yep. grade tops. Mm -hmm. And uh, while this shit was going on, I remember they, they had like a, a little book that I, in fifth grade I read it. It was for this episode. It's like an X-Files little, uh, I guess it just goes through the story. But like I remember reading it in fifth grade and like this is pretty iconic uh, episode for this uh, show. No way. So like they had their own like set of books with this? Yeah, I don't know exactly how many there are, how many, whatever it was, but it was just like a little thin uh, novelization of like this episode. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's, huh. <laughs> it's been with me for quite some time. <laughs> Did you read all your fucking books and you got your little fucking book it pizza party thing? That's what it was. I'm sure <laughs> it was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I forgot all about those, dude. Hell yeah. Hilarious. That uh, that's back when this is back when I was all up into goosebumps and shit, probably. Oh, absolutely, man! If not like right before it. So, so sweet. Maybe this is what kind of set me on my path. It could have been huh. supernatural. <laughs> there you go. So uh, some of the details from this episode we got directed by Harry Longstreet. That can't be a real name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I didn't put this in my notes, but uh, it says here on Wikipedia, production of Squeeze was problematic. Creative distant differences between Longstreet and the crew led him to being replaced as the director. So they ended up going back and just uh, filming some post-production shit. So 
just to bring that to everyone's attention, that's why that name kind of threw me off when I saw it was directed by Longstreet. Hmm. Didn't recognize it at first, so. Yeah. Yeah, some, uh, usually don't really hear about any problems with, like, TV that I ever heard of. No, never. Creative differences. Yeah. This is such a big blockbuster, uh, primetime slot, you know what I mean? A big show, obviously, we're only three episodes in, but there's a lot of money, obviously, mm-hmm. that went into this show. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming, like, your budget's, like, you gotta spread that shit out through the entire season, so mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy where you gotta probably pick and choose, like, where budget goes for each episode. For I sure. imagine. Maybe I'm completely off base, I don't know. Maybe someone smarter will tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so... Written this episode's written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong. Now they're pretty important to this whole X Files starting off everything. They're they're pretty big names in here. So I want to give you some background on them. Okay. So Glenn Morgan is an American television producer, writer, director, most recognized for his work on the X Files and the Final Destination franchise. Morgan oh. has worked on many other projects, including Amazon's Lore, New Line Cinema's Willard. Uh, 2017, he was the executive producer on season 11 of The X-Files. He also serves as executive producer on the Twilight Zone reboot by Jordan Peele's Monkey Paw Productions. Hmm. So that seems like a lot of shit going on, right? Yeah, it's a pretty impressive resume throughout all the years, you know? Yeah, so uh, I'll give you a background on a little bit more. He's a, He wrote on... Um, so his filmography as a writer is The Boys Next Door, which is 1985 with James Wong. Trick or Treat, 1986, he was uncredited. Final Destination in 2000 with James Wong and a, a gentleman named Jeffrey Riddick. He's also written for The the One, which is 2001, with James Wong again. I'm assuming that's that uh, Jet Li movie from back in the day. You remember oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I didn't look it up. Yeah. I didn't care that much, but I think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Final Destination 3 in 2006 with Wong. Okay. And he's done those X-Files episodes. Uh, and as a director himself, he's done Willard in 2003, Black Christmas 2006. God, uh, it was a terrible movie. Yeah, yeah Final <laughs> Destination 3. And uh, yeah, just the, the new X-Files stuff that's been going on. Nice. That's so, so that's, cool. Yeah, that's uh, Morgan. Do I have anything written down here other than that? He has a, a brother that's going to start writing on this uh on the, the X-Files coming up here, too. So I think I added that somewhere in here. Oh, yeah. We got a bunch of shit in here. So let's go to James Wong, man. All right. He is a Hong Kong-born American television producer, writer, and film director. He d- directed and wrote episodes for the X-Files and Millennium, which is Lance Hendrickson. Uh, you told you said you didn't remember that show, right? Mm-mm, not at yeah. all. So it was about 96 to 99. Uh, Lance Hendrickson's the lead. More like, a, I want to say that one was more demonic instead of the alien kind of sci-fi mm-hmm. thing. But uh, he's written for that. Uh, American Horror Story. And let's see. He is the founder of Hard 8 Pictures. He is the co-creator and co-writer along with Glenn, uh, Glenn Morgan of Space Above and Beyond. And uh, like I said, he's done all that shit with Morgan. So um, this team, as part of the initial production of uh, as part of the initial production crew on the X-Files, Wong was among the most influential uh, writers-producers who worked closely with the X-Files creator Chris Carter to, find, to define the characters, plots, aesthetics of the new series. And uh, Wong's responsible with his lifelong part, uh, writing partner, Glenn Morgan, for introducing a number of elements that define the X-Files throughout its run. Huh. So it's, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty significant of shit going on in the early episodes with these two. <laughs> 
I would say so, man. Holy shit. Like, I feel like a lot of it comes from these two and Chris Carter, basically. So, man, I could get into a lot of the episodes that they've done, but I, I might as well just save them for you. Why ruin anything? <laughs> yeah, I should probably save a lot of this for the for going on. But he's, uh, I think he won an Emmy for one of these uh, episodes that he directed. Really? In his uh, directorial debut, Wong directed the episode Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man, which received an Emmy nomination, also becoming the first member of the series' regular writing staff, besides Chris Carter, to direct an episode, as well as the only person of color to ever direct an ep- X-Files episode. Uh, Wong's Emmy nomination made him the first Asian-American to receive the Emmy nomination, and uh, no Asian-American or Chinese person of that descent has been yet nominated for an Oscar for directing a film. So that's pretty cool. Pretty badass. Yeah, hell yeah. This uh eat this uh smoking man one, how far is that ahead? It's uh it's a few seasons. Oh, okay. I forget exactly which one, but yeah, that's uh it's gonna involve the lone gunman and all that stuff. So we got a lot of shit to get into. Okay. Before we get to there, but so um let me see. Guest stars for this episode, obviously. Uh <laughs> <laughs> who do you want to touch on first? You wanna I, touch upon the asshole? Yeah, I'll just get it out of the way now. Yeah, Donald. Don, I'm assuming that's how you say his name. Donald Logue is Agent Tom Colton. Everybody knows this guy. Yeah. I think the first thing I've ever seen him in was uh, probably Blade. I'd had to say the first Blade yep. movie. Yep. Yeah. He's play, he just plays the same guy. Same guy yep. in everything he does. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's the, the rival agent. Obviously knows Scully, but we'll get into that as we go on. And the other guest star for this episode is Doug Hutchinson. And I would say his most obvious stuff would probably be Green Mile. Yep. And uh, he's the is he the brother of um, is it Jigsaw in the oh the yeah Punisher thing yeah yeah Punisher yeah. Uh, Warzone yes 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 that guy that's hilarious yeah funny right yeah so I don't know if we should touch upon this or not but uh, that dude got in trouble for marrying his sixteen year old uh, cousin. You ever hear about this? No, I didn't hear about that. Okay, I added it in here just in case. Uh, I guess it's something to bring up just in case. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Yeah, in 2011, he married his uh, third wife, Courtney Stodden, in Las Vegas. Uh, He was teaching her in uh, acting class, and that's how that started. The relationship through controversy and criticism is she was 16 years old, Hmm. (laughs) and he was 34 years her senior. Jesus Christ. So uh, because of that, his agent quit. His family disowned him. He received death threats and was labeled a pedophile by people. And uh, apparently the chick's mom kind of came to his defense, praised him for his kindness and love for which he treated him with. But yeah, huh. He, huh. these these two even started in like couples therapy, like him and his 16 year old bride on VH1. Whoa. Yeah, dude. So they kind of broke up. They uh, got back together. They had a. There was a miscarriage involved. After that, they broke up, got back together. So, I mean, I don't know, dude. This shit is crazy. That is pretty crazy. And it's weird that VH1 would be complicit in, like, showing support for this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, so all this shit, like, they gotten back together, divorced, and all that shit within, since 2011. So, like, even, like, what, today? She probably, she, I'm assuming she was born in, what, 95? Mm-hmm. So that would make her 16 in 2011 plus 9. Yeah, she's only about 25 right now. <laughs> so imagine going through all that shit. I, I couldn't. Hm. Yeah. 
So wow. I, you know, I, I thought it was worth bringing up. I don't know. Yeah, just to be brought back up on a on a fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, relive those memories. Huh? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, otherwise, that's it. Um, okay. Everything else is trivia. So, are, are you ready to dig into this episode? I'm ready. Let's dig in, man. I'm excited to share some things with you too. Oh, okay. As, as before, just interrupt me anytime you got anything to say or add. Got it. So we start off in Baltimore, Maryland, um, basically from the perspective of a sewer, sewer drain mm-hmm. where a humanoid creature with yellow eyes watches his next meal. <laughs> we kind of follow in his little, uh, I called it eagle vision from like Assassin's Creed. He just locked yep. down this one guy. Yep. So we follow this guy to his office. Uh, it's, it appears to be after hours. Uh, he makes a phone call to his wife, goes out for coffee. And that's when we see the, the register on the wall start to unscrew. And as the man comes back to his office, he's immediately attacked. Uh, the struggle, uh, the door gets smashed, then uh, the bloody body, and we see the killer go back into the register, and then we hit the opening credits. Nice. So how was this opening scene? Dude, it was uh, really intense. Like, I mean, obviously you're watching the show, and you don't really ever know what's going to happen. I'm just kind of at that point, three episodes, and like, mm-hmm. you know, so he goes back in and like immediately that door fucking slams shut. You see his like obviously the weight of his body crushing up against that window and the you know blinds getting all fucked up and then you see the little door jiggling and then boom, just that mm-hmm. fucking door just cracks. So you can imagine like that pounce, like yeah. at the ready, man. It's like fucking A, dude. Yeah, it was, it's either that or that or how cheap are those doors? <laughs> <laughs> right? But yeah, uh, somehow starts off strong i would say yeah the strongest one yet absolutely and most impressive because i like seeing the screw go back into the register not the turning but the just the perfect yeah nice that he was able to do that right yeah yeah like luckily those screws don't fall out of the holes they just stay there <laughs> he's like god damn it all right so let's see from there we get uh we're in dc and uh donald logue's character which is uh what tom colton john colton one of the two he's not important enough to really remember so uh obviously him and scully have a a past maybe they think it was they went to school together they grew up came up together in the the field i I wrote immediately like he's pretty butthurt talking about other people's successes and how he's so driven to be to get up the ladder basically is that kind of what you pick up to yep this guy is hell-bent on getting information from any source to bring himself up to a higher level that that's for fucking sure like immediately um like he brings scully into like obviously he wants her help but he also wants Mulder's help i think and he just doesn't want to admit it or maybe i think Rep- Mulder has a reputation for obviously being very good at what he does he's just in these x-files right and i he doesn't respect him but i think he also knows like Mulder knows his shit Yep, he needed him. He needed him, and he would have done anything he could have to. Otherwise, you just said, "Don't bring him at all." Yeah, but he, exactly. you know, he's obviously open to the facts. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because didn't he like allude or like said something like, "Oh, if you want to let your your oh yeah no yeah yeah immediately uh, he refers to Mulder as spooky." Yeah, P- yeah. We need it. We I wish. God damn it! Like that's the hard thing about not knowing these episodes because I would have definitely put a spooky counter like in the corner. <laughs> Yeah. Like this fucking word in this. Off the top of my head, I want to say at least three or four times. Easily, easily. That I remember. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, he brings the, the case to Scully. Uh, there, there's three murders so far. It began six weeks ago. Um, random age. Uh, it varies in age, race, gender, no known, no known connections. The only, uh, 
the only determining factor is uh, the point of entry. Well, that there's a lack thereof, they can't figure it out, and that all their all the victims are missing their liver, mm-hmm. which is uh, interesting. Oh, uh, there's also there's all the livers were ripped out, but with no cutting marks. So that was uh, <laughs> I'd like to see that. I just picture that like his hand, like yeah, digging into like somebody's uh torso there. Right. Yeah, Pretty brutal. Right. It, that's really fucking brutal, man. I mean, and if it was made nowadays, obviously they could get so much more involved with uh that process or showing that. And I mean, for God's sakes, uh, <laughs> Hannibal was on TV. Did you see that show at all? <laughs> no, I never. I, I saw the movie Hannibal, and that was enough. Me and uh, Agent the Misses are uh-huh. watching Hannibal right now, and uh, it's pretty brutal just, <laughs> just to think that that show was on TV. Yeah. There's so much more they can do nowadays. And um, <laughs> also a funny fact, Gillian Anderson's in a couple of the episodes we saw. Oh, yeah. is she really? Yeah. So nice. It all in together. <laughs> That's funny. You're like, hey, we're doing something. I got to tell you about this. Yes, exactly. Huh. Uh, so let's go. Uh, <laughs> I put Molder going to Molder. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so uh, we after that, we basically cut to them in the office, uh, Molder Scully, and then Cotton shows up. And let's see. Molder conducts his office, office investigation. Obviously, Colton just kind of comes up cold shoulder, shoulder to Molder and doesn't really give him any respect. Shakes his hand, but you can tell he's not really feeling it. Mm. And uh, <laughs> he makes a dickhead kind of comment. And then, uh, obviously, Mulder, with his little sense of humor, you know, he makes a comment about the green uh, green men, and mm-hmm. Mulder's like, nah, the gray men, and he gives mm-hmm. him this bullshit story, just fucking with him. Right. And uh, he, he didn't find that funny at all, did he? No, no, not at all. But you got you got, you got the idea, you know what I mean? It's set yeah, up. like, he, he's been through this enough, like, he knows, like, the reputation he has, he just kind of goes with it in stride, which is really endearing to me. Right. I think it's awesome. I dig that. He's he's go he's doing this for the greater good, man. Yeah, so we uh cut cut camera, go off and Mulder, I guess, finds paint scrapings, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right underneath the register, looks up immediately. This is this is where he finds the, the fingerprints. And uh from there <laughs> obviously uh Colton's not believing it. Six, mm-hmm. you know, that's a six by uh, eighteen inch hole. Mm-hmm. And uh basically just kinda condemning uh Mulder, I would say, right? Yep, and he's keeping it's his cool. Bullshit. Yeah, he don't give a shit. He's he ain't just... buying it for nothing. Yep, looking around, he's dusting for prints, and bam. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we also get uh, from there the next scene. We see um, uh, Mulder takes Scully and shows her the, the X Files that he's had. Now nobody else knows about this except for Mulder. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, he's got a, a fingerprint from the 1960s. And the 1930s, and a case file that goes back all the way to 1903, and he kind of fills uh, Scully in and all this shit. And from here, let's see, yeah, I got the murder. Basically, uh, these murders are happening every 30 years. There's five murders in all. Mm-hmm. So we keep them together. All, all good so far. All good so far. All good so far. So yep. then, um, in this next scene, uh, it's what would you say? Is it a I'd hate to say it's uh, what do they call it? The violent crime section? Is that the what uh Donald Logue's characters? Yeah, that's that's what I took from it. Some I don't want to say say like an it, what, you what, or what the best way to describe it would probably be a task force force yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Scully gives her a little presentation in front of these guys. Uh, profiles the killer. Uh, says that he's twenty five to thirty five, above average intelligence. Assumes a maintenance worker because nobody could really 
you know, obviously a detailed layout of the um, crime scene, I guess you'd say, right? Mm-hmm. Blueprints. Now, at this point in the episode, who do we have narrowed down as our top suspect? Uh, no, not saying seriously from the show, but who we said. Oh, uh, Mulder? No, no, Bob Vila. Oh, we, we said, oh, I thought we were looking for uh, Mulder's no. prediction here. <laughs> yeah, Bob Vila. That's how he stays alive. Is he still alive, by the way? Yeah, he is, dude. I saw him on uh, one of those like late night infomercial things. He looks good, man. Good, good, good. Yeah, yep. it must be all those livers he's eaten. <laughs> <laughs> thank you we'll be back next week with episode four <laughs> if anybody could take out a human liver with just their bare hands it's bob vila absolutely. all right absolutely but it just made sense at the time because he was bumping all throughout the vents he knows the perfect infrastructure of a building knows how to get the uh you know the little screws, screws in and out yeah, absolutely <laughs> so that's something like so yeah scully gives her a little uh profile of the killer um this is where we also learn that uh the liver possesses regenerative qualities and cleanses the blood um she believes that um it is taken as a trophy uh to cleanse his impurities whatever the whoever the killer is Mm -hmm. uh let's see killer can't find a victim she assumes that he will return to the previous site for the emotional high uh and i I wrote even in here even the group takes uh shots at uh molder some people we've never even like this is how far like molder has reached like it seems like every (laughs) <laughs> every like bureau of um the government knows mm-hmm. of uh Mulder and his uh crazy shenanigans here. Absolutely. He's got and that it, reputation, but he's still on all the um like this force, you know what I mean? Like he clearly knows what he's doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's gonna be cool because uh coming up in the episodes you'll see how how good Mulder is at what he's done, even when he's out as the spooky context. Gotcha. So uh, that's where we go to the crime scene at 7.15. This is the stakeout. And Scully's in her whatever fucking 90s car that was. With, uh, <laughs> the red velvet seats looking like. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. 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 So uh, Scully hears some noises. Uh, she goes to check. Uh, she's in a parking garage, I should mention. Mm-hmm. So she uh, goes to uh, investigate. Mulder pops out with his fucking seeds in his hands like, you wouldn't shoot a copper, would you? <laughs> <laughs> just all cool and casual. Just yeah, like he's just hanging out. Like, yeah. you know, like he's not part of the state. He's just like seeing what's going on. Right. Uh, from there, you know, his, his he says uh, the killer would never come back here. There's no challenge in it for him. He's already uh, conquered this building. There's no high for him. But what we come to find out is obviously there's uh you hear the noises obviously they go to um where the vents are you can hear the guy wrestling around there scully calls for backup out pops uh mr hitchinson mm-hmm. is that yeah and then uh <laughs> that's when we get everybody together let's see uh pretty terrifying by the way i do want to note that he was fucking pounding in there and you got to think if that was you in a fucking parking garage alone, basically, you know what I mean? You'd be like, holy shit, give me the fuck out of here. Yes. Like, uh, it, it's definitely off putting. And then like, in my mind, I was like, you hear it. Like they announced themselves as police officers. Why wouldn't you just climb back up the vent? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> why, why like even come out right. in the first place? But the jig is up. <laughs> yes. The jig is up. You got me. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Um, they arrest him. And um, we cut to the scene with the FBI polygraph. Uh, we find out uh, the killer's name is Eugene Victor Toombs. Uh, they ask him, the, the lady asks him about his job, his school. You know, she asks about the killings. You know, is he 100 years old? 
uh, asked about the Powhatan Mills in 1933. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hundred-year-old question is obviously something that Mulder had thrown in. <laughs> Everybody's sitting behind the glass. It's like, what the fuck is this? It must be a control question. Just shitting on Mulder at all times. And what does he do? What does he say to them? Fuck, what did he say? He's like, no, I had that thrown in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. He cool it. as the cucumber. Yeah. Didn't give a fuck. Yep. yep. And uh, so what we find out is uh, based on the polygraph chicks, she uh, she says he passed a, you know, a plus. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary for her. And that's when Mulder's like, nah, uh, questions 11, 13. Mm-hmm. He, he spiked in his emotions, whatever the fuck they read, however those read. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, the task force head that the one that's in charge of uh colton's like yeah i don't i got a reaction when i heard that question fucking stupid <laughs> cuts off the the polygraph lady don't explain this shit to me i know exactly what the hell's going on He's right like, basically and then uh what do we got from there yeah basically Mueller's just like yeah this is the guy we, mm-hmm. we know it yeah he so knew this it. Is the profile you know donald Logue's like you know don't worry the profile's still right we just don't have the right guy so they cut him loose immediately and then, uh, let's see. Oh, this is where um, they walk out of the room together, and uh, Scully and Mulder are having this back and forth. And uh, the cool thing is, like, uh, I wrote this quote down. He's like, you may not always agree with me, but you respect the journey, mm-hmm. which is, you know, even though you disagree, you're on my side. You're willing to hear what these people aren't, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And this is also where he grabs a hold of her little uh, – her necklace, mm-hmm. which will come into play later. It seemed a little weird at first, right? It did, yeah. But it's like they focused in on it for that, like, more than a second. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. what's going on? But Yeah, you usually don't grab people by the, the necklace as they're no. walking away. Right. But uh <laughs> turns out it's going to play a bigger part than we realized. Yeah. I, I just want to throw out there, this scene was, it very much drew you in. You know what I mean? Because for, I think for the first time in these three episodes, I felt that Mulder really showed his emotional connection that he has with Scully and, and what he sees. Now he's talked about her credibility before we're talking about just through the ranks of her professional career, but this was the first time that I noticed that he had said something about her just as a person and like more than just a partner. Yeah. Like, even though we may disagree on the means, like you're uh, you're at least one to hear me out and we can have this conversation. Right. But you know, last, uh, last week we were talking about deep throat and we were w- wondering like how long these guys have been, you know, since that original pilot episode, how long have they been in this bureau and this thing doing this together? And it seems mm-hmm. like from from uh, from this episode, it seems like it's been quite a while. Right. Maybe it has been a whole year of working together because obviously she's getting the shit for it now, too. Mm-hmm. Like all these uh, little shots directed at Mulder, you know, being said to her. Right. And, uh, you know, if you want to come out and get a real job, you know, I'm going to pull for you. So yeah. it seems like uh, we've established a little bit of time here. Absolutely. And they get more comfortable each episode with each other. Like that, mm-hmm. com- that at least that on screen chemistry is really nice. Yeah. So uh, from there, that's when they, they go to, to work with the, the fingerprint matching system that they got in 1993. Mm-hmm. So she uh, obviously one fingerprint, you know, it's, it's its own thing. Like there's nobody with two similar fingerprints. And mm-hmm. uh, that's when uh, Mulder does his little Photoshop thing on the computer and stretches out fingerprints to get a match skull i can't believe this right right why well how does that work mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and uh scully's reasoning her her skepticism here is the idea that it's just a it's a father passing down these things to his son there's no way this guy's 100 years old right you know there's there's some 
reason that the fingerprints are the same, some biological reason, right? Right. This has to be a hundred percent factual for her. Mm -hmm. So then, uh, the next thing we go to is, uh, we basically show up at the home of the next victim, victim number four. And, uh, to which we don't see how he's picking these people. I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to it per se. Mm -hmm. If it's, um, I'd hate to say scent because uh, I, I wrote down here Jeepers Creepers vibes. Definitely. A hundred percent, man. Like, it's not something I ever thought of before, but uh, the fact that the killer only comes out every 30 years, I know Jeepers Creepers is 23, but it's it's so like tit for tat with yeah. me. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the creeper goes for every body, bodily part, whatever he's missing or needs, he just replenishes that way. This guy's going specifically for the liver. Right. And... I don't know. Do you think it has anything? Do you think they kind of jacked this? Maybe I definitely think that there was a strong influence. Some some inspiration, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 like it, it would make you wonder. Like obviously, if the creeper can smell, like there's something there that's drawing him to this victim. We don't see anything distinguishing why he's going after these guys specifically. No, no, not at all. I think he was just out there looking for uh, a good liver, which is weird though because both of these guys were probably middle aged or more and overweight. Yeah, it's like you really wouldn't think of them like as the prime specimen. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they're maybe their liver's just going into overtime because they're clearly not taking care of themselves. Yeah, know. exactly. I guess so. <laughs> and, and then obviously, uh, well, what we're about to get into with, with the second victim um, is that he was a drinker. You know what I mean? So came home, poured himself a drink. Yeah, like okay, so what's going on here with that? I don't know. And because even uh, Scully, when she was describing the first victim to Mulder, she goes. We have a, a six foot healthy adult. Like I didn't really look all that healthy. I'm not saying he looked like uh, like John Candy or anything like that, but I just thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, it's like uh, I guess in that original victim's office, they're assuming like he would have been able to put up a fight, right? And there'd been some evidence that there's anybody there, right? So the fact that there was nothing, no, you know, it obviously was in a high security building. There's no way to get in there. That's mm -hmm. where you get the register information and all that shit. So yep. For this one, we see him. He's kind of snooping outside at this guy. We see him climb up the house. Yes. What'd you think of this? That was cool. I dude, I was like, yes. Let's this is where we get the, the chimney scene. Yep. Yep. And him stretching down. You kind of see it happening uh, mm -hmm. real time almost. Yep. And hearing it too. That was cool. Yeah. The stretching and all that. It was, it was yeah. pretty cool. So we get that cool chimney scene. And uh, yeah, here's victim four. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he goes to light the fire. He's, we're assuming like we're going to catch tombs in there on the chimney, but he's already in the, in, in the house. Right. And right. then uh, takes that guy out. Mm -hmm. Little uh, anticlimactic for the actual kill, I thought, but still cool, like you said. <laughs> yeah, it, it did that. Like we're just kind of oh, like he tackles him from behind, and then we get the, like a slow mo, mm -hmm. just kind of a weird like anticlimactic. It would have been cooler for him to, um, in my opinion, mm -hmm. it would have been cooler for him to either reach out of the chimney or just blow the fire out like that little uh, lighting stick that he had. Yeah, and then he just like pulls the guy in or something yeah like, i think that would have been really cool that would have been super sweet budgetary restraints who knows yep <laughs> so said, what did you say about the budget for this scene for the kill oh jesus who knows <laughs> no he spent it all on uh the fucking uh <laughs> the visual uh chimney scene yep. before this yeah yep. <laughs> that's where it all went for this episode <laughs> that's all you're gonna the, get the stretching arm yeah that's what it was yep. Yep. yeah <laughs> they had to lengthen his his fingers so that cost him about probably 50 g's yep absolutely like, we're working overtime here we can't do this <laughs> yeah. uh so next day we get colton you know 
Mulder and Scully come, and he's immediately, like, just closing off Mulder. Like, eh, you know, we don't need you here. We need real police work. And uh, so far in this whole episode, Scully's always went to bat for Mulder. You know, this guy, he knows his shit. You know, your you're brown nosing ain't going to get you nowhere here. You're either wanting our help or fuck off, basically. Right. So, let's see. Checks. Uh... Yeah, he uh, Colton has this weird... Like idea, maybe there's uh, they're selling these uh, livers on the black market, and uh, he's like, "I'll go with anything. I just need something." <laughs> <laughs> he sounded just like him. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to, yeah, he tries to stop Mulder. Scully backs him up again. Ask uh, this is where Colton asks, "Whose side are you on?" And this is where mm-hmm. Scully answers, "The victim's side." Yep. And he's got nothing to say. Nope. Yeah, the- nope. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. And here's the thing: like with Scully, is that like there is there shouldn't be a side. She was assigned to this division that Mulder is in it's not like we're picking team a or team b or team c you'd think you're just as us as being outsiders you would think that the government like all are together to do this one job right and if yeah. there's one thing we know about the government it's that they're not not together on anything right none of these none of these things like even in real life none of these people are communicating with each other the cia don't talk to the fbi it's all about personal stake everybody wants their fucking I guess 15 minutes of fame. They want the credit. They want to, you know, do all this shit. And right. you kind of see it here in this episode. Like I, I absolutely believe like there's assholes like that out in the FBI. Mm-hmm. It's probably all the FBI is or whatever. <laughs> These overachieving wannabe motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, but that's where, uh, you know, Mulder gets in. He finds the uh, tombs prints on the, the fireplace. Also notice that uh, tombs took something. Mm-hmm. Uh, his tro- uh, trophy per se. So the next scene we go, Mulder's looking up the 1903 case. Scully comes in and says uh, Tomb's apartment was a cover. He never lived there. Uh, he hasn't been to work since his arrest. Mulder gets the address on 66 Exeter Street, which is from the 1903 uh, case file that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where kind of Scully kind of goes with her, like, and, you know, I, I wrote down Auntie Walton's, which is uh, the comment Mulder made. You know, he's just, they think their their explanation is just this is just this family that's killing people. So mm-hmm. that's her rationale. And then uh, we get the research montage, and Scully finds uh, the officer that worked the 1933 case, uh, who is whose name is uh, Frank Briggs, mm-hmm. if you didn't pick that up in the episode. Mm-mm. So they go to him. It must have been, like, a retirement home, it looked like, right? Yep, Absolutely. Guys on his last. He kind of walks through. Yeah, he walks through like his kind of time and as a policeman, you know, kind of gives this chilling story. You know, you see all these murders, and uh, you got to be able to go home and play catch with your boy. It's the only way to rationalize like life in that, I guess. You know, right? You got to come home and find the good moments. But something about these killers that happened in uh, these murders that happened in 1933 that just kind of stuck with him. Right. He explained it as being just even being in that that vicinity. This is the Powhatan uh, mill murders. Just even being in there at the scene, he just felt this chill, like something mm-hmm. physically affected him. Right. And uh, he makes a comment, like, just all the evil in the world just mm-hmm. must have come into, like, this creature, I guess mm-hmm. you'd say, a monster, as he put it. Did you get Frighteners vibes from that scene when they were talking about it? <laughs> I, I didn't, but I could see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. If we were <laughs> dealing with apparitions, maybe. Right. <laughs> And uh, let's see, from there, we got the research montage. Yeah, it describes the, him as being evil. This is where he brings out all the uh, evidence that he's collected officially and unofficially. Mm-hmm. So we get a piece of a liver. Uh, he he uh, even corroborates the, the story with the, the trophies being taken. And he has a photo in tombs from 63. Yep. 
How how is he looking in sixty three there, buddy? He's looking pretty much the same. <laughs> the liver diet working pretty good for him, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And that, <laughs> that, that look that Mulder gave Scully, and he didn't even do it in a condescending way. It was just mm-hmm. like, here we go. Like this is our case. We've got it. This is a hundred percent our shoe in here. Yeah, it's like how how can you fuck with that, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh so from here we go into the the one hundred three Exeter Street room and uh. This is where the opening credits is taken from. I don't know if you've seen the opening credits, like right after Julie Anderson's name pops up. This mm-hmm. is where the credits, like them walking into that room. So just a, oh. a fun little fact. Oh, nice. I'll have to actually pay attention to that. It's funny because usually we're catching up as we're watching the beginning. Like, we're, we're, well, we're talking throughout the whole goddamn thing anyway, but especially <laughs> during the beginning. You know, I'll have to see that next week. And then I just, uh, I sang the, the opening credits to you as soon yes. as they bust in. And other multiple times during the episode. Yeah, it's, it's so catchy. How could you not? All right. Uh, so, you know, they walk in there. Jillian Anderson's like, oh, I should say Scully. I wrote Jillian Anderson for some Oh, it's because uh, it's after her credits. <laughs> so, um, She's she's like, I, you know, there's nothing here. You know, Mulder's like, it feels he's, he's feeling whatever the detective was talking about. It right. feels cold. Something's off to him. Yep. That's where he finds the, the hole in the wall hidden behind the mattress. And they go down into the old coal cellar where they find a, a table of knickknacks and paddywhacks, as I like to put it. <laughs> All the old trophies from the yep. victims that they've taken. You got anything to add to this that you've noticed? Uh- it was just creepy. I, you know, to kind of go back a little bit before they uh, went through the hole in the wall, I was really disappointed by uh, Scully going, it's just, there's nothing here. It's just an apartment. You yeah, know what Pretty I mean? easy, as, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, okay. So we're not even going to try. And, and all it took was Mulder to just move that mattress. And maybe we're supposed to be seeing Scully's inexperience with this still so early on. Maybe. That's Could be. Uh, but she was the first one down the ladder. That is true. Yep. She just jumped in. She, what did she say? Let's find out. Yeah. She yeah. seemed like, hey, fuck it, let's get, like, you know, let's, let's, uh, let me indulge him so he can get the fuck out of here and do real police work, I guess, right? <laughs> let's go into the rape dungeon so we can go home. <laughs> yes, and I can take a nice hot bath. Yes, yes. <laughs> so let's see, where did I leave off? Yeah, this is where they discover the trophies. Uh, also, this is where they find the nest, the tombs. Um, this is where we come up with the, uh, Mulder's idea that maybe he hibernates, which is why he's able to, mm-hmm last so long you know like maybe it's uh with all the liver sustains him over this 30 year period mm-hmm. and uh let's see this is oh yeah this is where scully gets snagged but she didn't just get snagged did she buddy Mm-mm, no she didn't <laughs> uh so let's see but that we'll save that for later okay then you see uh colton calls off the stakeout uh obviously Mulder had uh people staking out this uh this apartment on exeter street um scully says i can't wait until you fall on your oh yeah this is where she has the back and forth with colton because he busts in like a, a hot-headed piece of shit and telling him like you're wasting man hours you know there's nothing there i'm calling off the man the the man hours you know yep. the stakeouts off mm-hmm. Mulder's on his own fuck you this is where she has the <laughs> was it all you care about is getting to the top and it's like any way possible or some mm-hmm. bullshit like that it's like i can't wait till you fall on your ass yep to be in that same character and every single thing he's in yep that's it that's that's him even i'm sure that's how he is in grounded for life too as as well right (laughs) (laughs) less beardy or more beardy in that one (laughs) yeah so we cut to the evening time scully uh gets home uh tombs is already waiting outside her car or like we see her kind of outside or him outside kind of stalking her already yep um obviously he was the one that took the pendant uh, the necklace from Scully as she got snagged in the coal 
mm-hmm. uh, the wholesaler, as they say. Yep. Spoiler alert. And then uh, let's see what we got here. Oh, Mulder returns to the apartments, finds no one's there. Oh, uh, well, what the fuck? Scully calls Mulder. Uh, she starts a bath. This is where we see Tombs outside uh, <laughs> in the little window. Yep, that Climbing was up fucking there, awesome. Up yeah, that you like that? Cool. I did, I did, because you and I have talked about this before. It's like the less you see, the the more it draws you in. And all you had to see was the outline because it was one of those like windows, like the blocky windows where you couldn't see. Yeah, clearly. the I forget what what you probably call that. Uh, it's not frosted, but it's definitely um, it's privacy glass, I guess. You'd there say. you go. Yep, that's all you needed to see, and you knew he was there. Yeah, and it's uh, it kind of reminds me of like uh, Resident Evil when like right before you're gonna fight uh the liquor in the yeah. police station, Resident Evil Two, you just see that thing scoot across real quick, and then the less is more approach really kind of works to their advantage in this, I think. It does. I think so too. Uh, so then, uh, yeah, Mulder. Is uh, oh. Yeah, he went back downstairs at the Exeter Street apartment. Um, back downstairs, he finds where the trophies are, uh, Scully's pendant. Mm-hmm. So he's like, fuck, gotta get back to Scully. Yep. So uh, Scully's about to fill her bath with uh, some uh, some bubbles there. And that's when the bile drops from a register in the, in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So she goes for her gun. Mulder tries to call, but the line's been cut because we see that. Because there's a shot that says Scully, and oh, it's like, yeah. line's not there. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know he cut it specifically. Yep. Like, yeah. I feel like this was such a post-production shot. Like, how we, oh, let's do this. Let's just show these wires with Scully written on it. Obviously, he can't be able to call her because that's right. too easy. So, right. And then, uh, let's see. And she pulls out the gun. Mola tries to call. Uh, Tombs busts in through the, the little floor vent there. Mm-hmm. She looked at it, but then he busted in as soon as she turned her back. Yep. That's where he kind of got him grabbing at her ankle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think this is a, a scene that you said was pretty cool, right? Absolutely. I fucking loved it, man. It was very horror movie-esque where it didn't necessarily feel like a, like an X-Files episode. This was just more like, I don't want to say jump scare, but kind of along those lines. Yes, it will, what would be a jump scare. And uh, we see him like literally like leap through the fucking uh, the vent after she uh, pulls away from him at first. Yeah. <laughs> Which was kind of cool, but... It was awesome. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Yeah, basically, he flew right through the fuck through there. Yeah, it goes through the floor vent. Mulder arrives just in time. Uh, basically, like, uh, Tombs and Scully at this point are fighting on the, the floor in the bathroom, and he's basically got her hands, like, above her head with one hand, and he's about to dig into her. She, he's got yep. the torso open and everything. Yep. Just in the nick of time, Mulder pops in. Yep. And this is where uh, Tombs makes makes the break for the window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not happening. Not so much. So they uh together they kind of wrestle him down. They get the the handcuffs on him, handcuff him to the tub. Yep. And he's like, "You're not gonna get your quota this year." <laughs> uh, he didn't. He didn't shoot him though. No. That was <laughs> a perfect ending, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they got him handcuffed to the tub. They got him. Uh, this is where we uh go to the old police officer who sees it in the news mm-hmm. that he's been caught. Uh, I would say a tear come to his eye. Is yeah, that what absolutely. You say? Yeah, I, I expect him to just fade away, like in just like dust. <laughs> like that's what it, that's what was keeping him in this uh, this plane. <laughs> I'm at peace now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, we get the scene where Tombs is in uh, the little jail cell, and uh, it's not prison, but it what would be like a criminally insane, mm-hmm. like an Arkham. Yeah, yeah. So he's sitting there with the the paper, doing his little uh, licking and the building up his nest. This is when uh, Scully uh, comes in uh, 
Mulder's right outside, kind of looking at him, just just gazing at him, just wondering yep. what the fuck this thing is. Right. Uh, medical uh, examine that uh that Scully had uh, shows that he had abnormalities in his skeletal and muscle uh, muscular system. And uh, he had declining metabolic rates well below that of a deep sleep. So it kind of, you know, confirms the the hibernation thing where your right. Mulder was positing earlier. Right. Uh, Mulder, this is where Mulder makes the comment, like, uh, you know, people getting bars on the windows, these high security systems, and you got a guy like this, and it's not going to do a goddamn thing for it. Nope. It's just, it's not enough. Nope. Then we close with Toombs getting his meal through this little slot. Mm-hmm. And then he just peering at it smiling and that's how the episode ends i was waiting for him to be like ah yes thriller <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and obviously we know it's not going to end here so no no man it was cool like the whole like time like it, there was not three episodes into x files there's not been one dead zone of uh any like episode like it's all been interesting like it's held my interest the whole entire way through and that's good. Uh, like I said, for it being so early in the se- season and such, so early in the series in general, you know, being able to keep people's attention is a pretty big, pretty mm-hmm. big deal. I think, especially mine. Yes, you know especially me. you. I know you get distracted very easily. I do. I do. So the fact that you're kind of following along and everything's been good so far, I'm super excited. Oh yeah, no, I've I've enjoyed every every single bit of it, man. Um. So any thoughts that you have, like anything you want to share, anything I might have glossed over or so, anything you want to add? So you got my, I got my little quibs in. Um, You did say during the episode that he kind of reminded you a little bit of Darth Maul. It was kind of like a mixture of Darth Maul uh, versus. Uh, oh, you said, you said you brought up uh, the toad comparison. Yeah, I brought up the toad comparison. Too I was like, does that mean you also think he uh, <laughs> is pretty close to Darth Maul? Yep. I get I get the vibes like that, but uh, especially at, like in some of the episode or the, some of the parts of the episode when they did the close up uh, shots when he was lurking, mm-hmm. the uh, contacts weren't the same. Like there was one where it was more yellow, and then the pupils were super super dilated. Then in the second kill, I noticed that they were more brown and the pupils were smaller. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it almost kind of reminded me of an episode uh, three when Anakin was starting to turn, like his eyes were like oh, bugged out. I got you. I got yeah. you. Um, very good lurks. Uh, in the second kill, when he was in the driveway, watching the guy go in the house and then out through the window, I thought that that was really cool. Um, the uh, the lurking that he was doing on Scully, uh, like as we had mentioned, through the privacy glass, and then just him just plopping right out. I mean, dude, like, like I'm like, there's a window over by me, and I'm just like trying not to like look over there because I'm just. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Don't forget the registers on the floor there, buddy. I know, right? It's almost kind of like how Mac was in uh in, in the play in um fuck uh and the nightman cometh like when he comes up he's like yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah classic that's another one we'll have to do eventually oh my god we've got we've got the next <laughs> years planned out man yes yes but uh no that's that's kind of really what i wanted to touch base on any anything about you like as, as far as from your standpoint in in the series this was our first little break did this still hold up for you yeah, like I, I still think it's very interesting. Like it, it's, it's hard to say like how it's gonna go out. Like obviously, the more we get into, obviously the budget's gonna be bigger. There's gonna be more things they could do visually. Yeah. But for like I said, for so early on in the season and in the series in general, I think that yeah, without this episode, like I don't know how far it would have gotten. Like this is the first one that really kind of establishes like they can kind of do anything they want. It doesn't have to be just these um, the alien abduction, the big arcs. You know, it, it really 
kind of sets the stage for what the X-Files will become and kind of the popularity of it. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's kind of it's funny because, you know, obviously we talk all the time outside of the show and everything. But I wanted to share for on the air was that, you know, the goal of this show is to have us go through each episode one by one, do the movies, do anything surrounded by the show, pop culture, entertainment, books, anything that we can get our hands on. My goal would be as if this were to pick up. Um, I would love to take any of the money that we made from this to save up for a trip once we're done with all of this and possibly go and sh- uh, go to scouting locations from where this was shot. That would be cool. You want to yeah. go to Canada then? <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, as long as we're yeah. at that point. But uh, yeah. I thought that would be something really cool to kind of close out the show and like go check out. Like, I know we obviously can't do all of them, but if you know, we can go see some like of the most famous episodes to try and go there. That would be cool. Like I said, it, it uh, it's just a fun little romp for me, just sharing yeah. my love with the X Files, and then uh, just to see what somebody else thinks of it. And oh yeah. Like I said, you not seeing anything's uh, it's a, it's gonna be a cool little in- experiment for us. That's awesome. I do notice at some parts of like the these you know three episodes in where I'll see you in the corner like and you're like looking at me like when something big happens just to get mm-hmm. my reaction. You know, that's pretty yeah. awesome. But um. <laughs> rankings rankings uh how do you feel how would you rank these uh three for you right now so for for the ranking this is obviously the best one we've seen yet yes i would say yep most interesting probably kept our attention the most not that like we lost attention in the other ones but it's just more probably a little bit more compelling Mm -hmm. so i would go so far in this uh our seasons we got number three the pilot episode number two deep throat and obviously squeeze at number one Right. I think I'm going to ask you, do you think this is an episode that'll end up in the top five? It has the potential right now. Uh, just, is that something you you think you're feeling? Oh, I would say, I would say at the very least six, I feel more comfortable with six. I'm not ruling out top five, but right there, I, I kind of use this as a backup. There's uh there's some hitters on this, this first season, man. Like, uh, like I said, probably in the mid season, we're going to get to land. Pretty close. We're gonna have two of my favorite ones uh, coming up in the mids here. Okay. So, oh man, I'm I'm curious. I mean, it's gonna be good shit. Good I can't shit. wait. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, I would. Yeah, this for me would be number one. Then I would go to uh, Deep Throat. Then I would go with the pilot. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The more okay. we got to add, man, the better it's gonna be. Absolutely. And we. I can't wait for you to see the first dud. <laughs> oh no well we'll still make it fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> so are you ready for that uh that trivia buddy yeah i am i am all right so this one let's do it off this episode was a deliberate attempt by chris uh producer chris carter to prove that the show could be about more than just aliens okay so for in in the episode squeeze and tombs uh the two actors there's two actors that played uh eugene victor tombs one appeared as the main character uh-huh. And the other is a contortionist who does all the squeezing in the tight areas that oh, tombs like. So that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's something I never knew before. I, yeah. It's a it's a fun little fact for me as well. That's badass. <laughs> so continuing on here, we got this episode contains a very famous shot of Mulder and Scully in the credits that we would see along the years, which is as I pointed out earlier. Uh, obviously in Tombs Lair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Hutchinson is one of two actors that played the liver eating guy uh, in episodes two. Uh, oh. So uh, Hutchison is actually a vegetarian 
and uh, or at least was at the time. And after uh, filming this episode, he sent a liver of an animal to Chris Carter as a thank you for the opportunity to play the character on Xbox. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe there's something off about this guy, huh? Yeah, it sounds like it. It's like Jared Little sending all that bullshit to the actors on Suicide Squad. Yeah, I didn't even hear about that, nor do I care. <laughs> <laughs> so uh the idea for this one uh chris carter had been vacationing in france with his wife uh when the series had got greenlit and uh he had suddenly had to return to the states but while in france france he had uh he was eating a lot of foie gras foie gras i don't know how that's foie that's foie how you, foie gras. there you go that's yeah. why i keep you around <laughs> uh yeah which is uh this is kind of that's where they got the episode idea from huh. it's uh plot elements for Victor Toombs' love of eating human liver. That's pretty awesome. Uh, the house is where the investigating officer lives, is the same house, or is the same filming location as the house in, uh, of the secretary from the X-Files Shadows episode, which will be coming up. Uh, yellow and flower prairie-style windows are the indicator. So it's the same okay. house as what's going to be coming up soon. Okay. So that's just one of them random set nice. fucking facts. Cool. Yeah, I like those. And uh, this is one of the rare occasions where Scully does not wear her gold cross, but another collar. I don't know what the hell that means. Huh. It must be. Oh, she yeah, she has a cross in the other coming episodes. And this one's just her, uh, yeah, I don't know what you call it, pendant? Yeah, locket or pendant. or. And then uh, the last one I got for you this week is uh, the biggest inspiration for the idea of this episode was the big grill of James Wong and Glenn Morgan's office. So I guess that's where they came up with the idea of uh, somebody being able to slip in through there. Mix nice. that in with uh, Chris Cotter's little uh, liver fiasco thing. And then yeah. uh, you got Eugene Toombs, man. Nice, man. So funny how it all kind of blends in. Seriously. You just take these. It's like writing music, man. You just take these ideas and you just you go with it. You just piece them together. It could be something beautiful like Dream Theater or it could be something wild like Dillinger, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which, speaking of music, if you uh, or anybody out there enjoys uh, the Truth Is Not Here podcast, JD, myself, and another host by the name of Ivan have a podcast called Wasted Attention. Uh, we've been at that now for about two years. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, about two years, okay. Talk about music, entertainment, movies, pretty much anything. It's a very much less focused show where we just kind of <laughs> it's just up. random. It's just ramblings. Exactly. <laughs> the musings of a not cigarette smoking man. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> but perfect. But, uh, no, I can't wait till episode four, man. I can't wait to see what's next. It's killing me that we can't binge these because of time. But I know it's uh, it gives us something to look forward to, I guess. For sure. It's nice to feel something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's all I got for you this week. Uh, join us again next week for Conduit. We'll see how that one holds up, how it ranks. Yeah. And, uh, man, I can't wait till we get into some of these, man. Yeah. I, it makes me want to cut to them. Yeah, exactly. I get it. I get it. But, but patience, young grass. Patience, we'll, we'll, young grass. Yeah. Patience, yeah. young Padawan. Sweet. Well, hell yeah, man. Let's, so, uh, join us next week for that shit. Like I said, anybody give us your comments, concerns, thoughts, ideas, anything we might've missed, anything we could do better. And, uh, animal, anything else for us or agent Alfonso, excuse uh, me. No, awesome you got it, right? No, you got it, man. <laughs> right on the head. Uh, we can be reached at uh, the truth is not here podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that will be pulled up here in the, our closing segment. But uh, we're still working on getting the Facebook and uh, 
other outlets ready because we just kind of wanted to build up our library here a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. once that gets going, we'll flood you with all that info. That's right. Yes. We will see you next week. See you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye.